they say something like, I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry that you happened to take it that way. It didn't mean it that way, (laughs) but you took it that way. So it's not really um, taking responsibility for the pain that one has caused. It's putting it on the other person. Uh, And it's kind of a defensive um, move. This week, we tell you how to avoid giving a bad apology, and more importantly, how to give an effective and heartfelt apology that others will hear. Doctors Sam Hinnich and Michelle Gannon are here to explain. Stay tuned. Doesn't it sound nice to come home after a long day at work and to see your spouse sitting at the table with a bottle of beautiful red cracked open waiting for you? We think so too, which is why we have the Hitched Wine Club. Visit hitchedmag.com, click the Wine Club link, and join today. It's super easy, takes just a couple clicks, Each shipment comes with exclusive date ideas to help you and your spouse reconnect, and every bottle is guaranteed. Again, go to hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of hitchedmag.com. We have a special show for you today. We have, uh, well... These guests have been on in the past. This is uh, Dr. Michelle Gannon and Dr. Sam Hinnich. Hi, guys. Hey, Hi. Steve. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good. Uh, so both are clinical psychologists, and uh, they have some workshops and things that they do. But rather than me give you the, uh, the rundown, I'm going to have them explain who they are and what they do, and then we're going to get into today's topic about um, – how to give a good apology and what a forgiveness conversation is all about. So uh, go ahead, take it away, guys. Let us let everybody know who you are. Yes, Steve, we're excited to be back with you. As you all know, um, we're psychologists in San Francisco, and then we teach workshops called Hold Me Tight Workshop. You can find out more about our couples workshop at holdmetightworkshop.com. The workshops are based on emotionally focused therapy, EFT, and the book Hold Me Tight and the attachment theory model. And Dr. Sue Johnson, who's up in Ottawa, developed this wonderful program to help couples of all stages of relationships. And so Sam and I, we teach other therapists this model, and we also help couples directly, both in our private practices and also in our workshops. And so when you and I were chatting about, hey, what can we come back and talk about, we thought it'd be really interesting to talk about one of our really most popular uh, conversations in our workshop and what a lot of therapists want to learn more about, which is the importance of forgiveness and really how to give a, a positive, heartfelt, meaningful apology. So one of the other things I just wanted to share with you is we're kind of all all abuzz right now because I we have a product that we have uh, couples really liking called The Heart Cards. Um, theheartcards.com is where you can find more information about them. But they're a deck of cards that couples can give to each other to express what they're really feeling, underlying uh, what's going on inside, when things are difficult to say. They have a range of, of sayings, both positive and negative and challenging things. And then the part that I guess I'm pretty excited about, Sam and I are, is we just this week launched our first iPhone app. And of course, we also want uh, you know an app for everybody, so we have one coming out for an Android really soon, and they're available in English, Spanish, and Dutch. So that's our kind of our excitement this week. Awesome! I, I was I was going to ask you if if you're allowed to live in the Bay Area if you don't have an app. 
Well, so. there you go. Now <laughs> our, our families are impressed that we have an app. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to let people know that uh, the last time that I believe you two were on uh, was episode 324 to talk specifically about your Hold Me Tight workshops, which goes into uh, EFT therapy specifically. Uh, so if you guys are interested to hear more about that, check out our archives, episode 324. Um, but today we are going to talk about uh, – how to give a good apology. And so um, I first want to ask you guys, how did you get interested in teaching about forgiveness and good apologies? And the next step of that would be what is a bad apology? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, we'll give you some examples of bad apologies because that's what's very common um, in many relationships. But when we started teaching the Homey Type Workshop, we became very aware that one of the hardest and yet most meaningful conversations that couples were going through in the workshop was confronting their their hurt that they had experienced or that they had um, caused in their partners. And what we quickly realized was that um, couples really don't have a lot of skills. We're not really taught when we're um, when we're just entering into significant relationships how to get through the hard times when we've hurt those we love. And, you know, in all relationships, we make mistakes. Everybody um, in a long-term relationship will eventually uh, do something that will hurt someone else. What we're talking about, though, is when we talk about an attachment injury, we're talking about an injury where in a moment of need, uh, our partner isn't, res- isn't responding to us in the way that we most need. And if you remember from our last episode, we talked about how important it is to really be accessible, responsive, and emotionally engaged for our partners, for them to feel securely connected to us. And when we cause a hurt, that um, disconnection that that results from that hurt can leave us separated and, and in pain for a very, very long time unless we learn how to deal with it. And learning how to repair is very important and is something that couples can learn to do. And it's also, you know, Steve, I know that a lot of uh, people who tune into your show are people that are in relationships, but Mm -hmm. this model really is relevant to anybody, any loved one, anyone that you really care about. When we say attachment figure, what it means in our world is somebody who is really important to us that we have a bond with. So it could be certainly a partner, it could be a parent, it could be a child, could be a best friend, you know, somebody like this is what we're going to teach you today can be relevant really for all relationships, work relationships, friendships, but especially in those times when you really matter, it really matters to you that you've been hurt by somebody you love. The, it's the apology. It just it, it magnifies the importance of learning how to do it in a way that's going to be effective. And for those couples who have, um, you know, particular types of interactions where they maybe um, fall into certain patterns. Um, when there is an injury, um, it tends to make relationships um, uh, much harder. To, uh, the relation, their, their patterns that they get into tend to get more stuck. Uh, they tend to have more conflict. Even when, com- when couples have conflict, um, usually learning how to uh, work through them is very important. But when there is an injury, it makes those types of conflicts even harder to get through. So these kinds of injuries make existing patterns uh, worse and ignoring or bearing um, talking about these injuries is we feel it's a really big mistake. The only way out is to confront them directly and to heal them together. Um, what the research says about um, the importance of these injuries is that thinking that time will 
heal them is is not is is simply not um, bearing out in the research. Okay, that's actually really good uh, good to know because I think a lot of people do have that um, idea in their head that time will heal wounds, but but you're saying the research shows that's not the case. Exactly, and that's an example of where people will say, you know, I just need more time. And that actually the research shows is that we, to be able to, to heal and to be able to apologize and forgive, it is a process you have to go through. And it's it kind of makes sense that the person who hurt you is the only one who could help you heal in our experience and according to the research, by not just not by just EFT, Sue Johnson, but also uh, the Gottmans, who I know you're familiar sure. with. They also found the same and just a lot of people, Fred Luskin and um, Desmond Tutu and you know Robert Enright. Like there's a lot of researchers on forgiveness. Janice Aitken Springs and Esther Perel. There's a lot, and Brene Brown. A lot of people are finding the same thing, which is that it's a process we need to go through, and it's one that requires really going from that place of somebody's hurt you. A lot of us get angry, right? Mm-hmm. And the research finds is that we need to be able to shift past the anger. And get to the softer emotions, the more primary emotions, feeling more vulnerable, feeling grief, feeling sadness. That is a, a really important part of the forgiveness process and one that a lot of us have a hard time. We've already been hurt, so it seems even more vulnerable to let yourself feel those, you know, those kind of really tender feelings. But the research is that that's really important you know, beginning step of the forgiveness process. Okay. Now yeah. you asked us uh, what would be an example of a bad, of some bad apologies. Yes. That, that was, yeah. that was my question I'm going to have for you. And there are things that we all say. I mean, I certainly say all these things, you know, as well. Right. So one of the things that we, we, uh, we hear often is when someone says something like, I'm sorry, you feel this way, mm. or I am sorry about it. I've apologized already a hundred times about this. Why are you making such a big deal about it? Another really common one is, well, I said I was sorry, right? Like, yeah. let, let's move on. Yeah. And a really common one is, okay, I'm sorry, and, and maybe I did that, but you also, blah, blah, blah. And the problem is when we use the word but, we usually remember everything that comes after the but, right? Mm-hmm. So we're getting into the defensiveness. Another really common one would be, um, yep, like falling on the sword. Like, uh, it's always my fault. I'm always hurting you. I'm always letting you down, right? So it's yeah. like very defensive. There's like a, ten- a tenuousness to it. They right. say something like, I'm sorry if I hurt you. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm sorry that you happened to take it that way. It didn't mean <laughs> it that way. Right. But you took it that way. So it's not really... Um, taking responsibility for the pain that one has caused. It's putting it on the other person. Uh, and it's kind of a defensive um, move uh, that isn't quite expressing um, the sincerity that is and the heartfelt um, nature of a really good apology. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, Steve, in our um, Homie Tight workshop, we sh- it's a multimedia uh, workshop. So we share a lot of clips and cartoons and videos and so forth. And one of our favorite clips is that uh, somebody sent to us, somebody who took our workshop about like a good example of a, an apology on a greeting card. Sam, what, what was I think it's from a New Yorker car- uh, cartoon that appeared on a greeting card that says, I need some, it's a man that walks into a flower shop and he's buying flowers for his partner. And he says to the person behind the counter, I need something that says, I'm sorry about that thing I said that caused you to totally overreact. <laughs> and 
No, it's a, that is a perfect example of a terrible apology. Yeah. Um, and 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 so a bad apology really. Either um, you play a little bit of the martyr card or you don't accept responsibility for your role in it or you put the emotion on them as opposed to accepting your how you're feeling about this stuff. So what would a good apology mean? Well, the very first uh, the, the, when when a good apology really takes hold and you know that it worked, it's when the person that has caused the person that has felt injured really feels experientially that the person who has caused the injury really knows and feels what it was like for their partner to feel that kind of pain. When they can begin to really express uh, uh, responsibility for what happened, but really um, empathically and non-defensively um, connect to their partner who they've hurt and share with them that they really get the pain that they've caused, that really makes a huge, huge difference. And we're going to go through the steps of a good apology if if you'd like us to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I just wanted to make sure that we define because it's it's one thing to just say, well, I apologized. But the whole topic of today's conversation is being able to give a good apology. So I just wanted to make sure that people understood what that even meant. And I, th right. I think, you know, I think you just gave a good definition there. I think another thing that's important to know is that, I mean, everybody has to find the way that they can repair you know, works in their relationships, the, the apologies that work. How do we know if it's a good apology is if the person who was hurt can really feel like their partner or, or whoever hurt them gets it really deeply cares, has empathy. They feel like the hurt is in the past. It's more of a, a memory. It doesn't ignite us in the same way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. So that it, uh, it, it's been a good apology. You have a renewed sense of trust. If you can take risks with each other, if you can have more safety and more understanding, that kind of thing. The other thing I would say about you know good and bad apologies is that this model that we teach is based on the research. So in a over the past several years, there's been some great research studies in lots of um, journals about the attachment injury repair model, AIRM, which Dr. Sue Johnson developed, and just some really great research findings. Sam, do you want to say a little bit about the research, which is what our forgiveness, our apology mm -hmm. model is based on? Sure. The attachment injury repair model um, was a study that used 24 couples um, uh, who... Um, 24 couples with an attachment injury received on average 13 therapy sessions of emotionally focused therapy. And, um, and the result, what the results showed, if, if when couples um, went through the eight steps of the model, 63% of that sample successfully resolved the, the, the attachment injury to the point of achieving what they considered a, a, a clinically significant improvement in relationship distress. And they felt the, the person who had caused the hurt felt forgiven. The person who had been hurt felt like they had indeed, uh, that they indeed were able to forgive. And the result of the studies, what's really important about this model is that the studies were, uh, the, the findings and, the, and the, the benefits were stable at a three-year follow-up. Okay. And, and right. one, one of the questions that I do have about this is, so you, and we're going to get into the, the, the actual how-to steps here, but... Let's say you've given your apology. Um, 
it's one thing to give a good it's one thing to give an apology and give what you think is a good apology but i feel like there's an aspect of it of knowing that it was received the way you wanted to wanted it to be received or you you mentioned the person on the receiving end um felt this resolution and felt the stress uh release of stress and all that other stuff that goes along with it maybe this is part of the steps process but i guess i'm wondering how do you know when you've delivered an apology if it's actually resonated with the recipient well i think that's a really great question and i think that it goes back to if the if the two people really love each other and really want a close connected relationship right then doing this hard work of of going through the apology together it's scary it's it's painful it can be difficult and that we really believe that forgiveness is a choice mm-hmm. um and you can choose to not forgive and you can choose to not have these conversations with the people that hurt us but if you do we really believe that it lessens your chance for connection. So that's like the reason why, you know, to, to go through this process. But you would know that it really had been effective is, and this is part of the steps, but is if the person who's been hurt is able to really feel their partner's remorse, their regret, their sadness that they hurt them, that they contributed to the hurt, and a willingness to like, what did I need then and what do I need now? And going forward, a feeling of like, okay, we had something painful happen, we had a rupture, we repaired it, and now we're actually stronger and closer and, and you know, more hopeful about our relationship. And, and there's something else yeah. that, that I would like to add, which is that um, often what people who have committed, um, you know, who have engaged in a behavior that has hurt their partner or have failed to engage in a behavior that therefore uh, led their partner to feel dropped or alone or hurt, um, that often what happens is that they're so quick to want to fix it. They're so quick to want to apologize that it won't stick because the partner who has been hurt hasn't even been given a, a chance to really open up and, and, and really delve into the depths of the pain that they feel. So that is a really essential piece is that the person who has been hurt has to be able to really describe in some detail the way in which they felt hurt or forgotten or neglected, um, devalued, uh, scared to turn to their partner. Um, they have to really go into it with some depth in order for the partner to really begin to get empathically wh- um, how, you know, what they caused and how big this is. And that's a very important step that is often um, skipped or neglected um, they see their partner as hurt and, and they feel guilty or they feel badly or they just don't like um, how bad they, they, the, the, uh, the situation in their home has worsened. So they, they're quick to want to, like Michelle said, fall on their sword or, or express an apology. Even an apology that is um, uh, well stated will not have the same impact if they haven't given their partner an opportunity to really open up and talk about the hurt. That- okay. So let's, let's talk about the specifics about how to deliver uh, an effective, good apology. And I want to remind uh, the listeners that while we are specifically targeting couples um, and, and, and committed relationships and things of that nature, these steps will work for all sorts of apologies, whether it's with coworkers or friends or, you know, extended family, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So the six steps, again, it's like also helpful to say, okay, can we set aside some time and have a forgiveness conversation? So you kind of want to get some, some willingness of both people to show up, right? So then as Sam said, step number one is that the hurt person, well, you just said it. Go ahead, say it. Sure. Again. The hurt person begins to describe um, in great detail the painful incident. And then? And then the person who was hurtful, this is, and again, really difficult, needs to stay engaged, present, non-defensive, and just you're encouraging the hurt person to tell you more. Like, I'm here. I want to understand. I'm listening. Tell me more. So when I'm the person who did the hurting, I have to be very careful not to defend my position, not hijack, right? It's only about the hurt person and my kind of encouraging them to kind of come out from behind their protective wall and tell me more about their pain. And then uh, if they can do that, if they can say to the person who's caught, who feels hurt, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm not going to get defensive, I want to know more, then the, first, then the hurt person can get in touch with the injury and they, begin, and they can begin to remember and experience it, uh, talk about it, talking about it in a more alive and present manner. Um, and then... Um, and then they're, so we encourage them to say more about it. They move further out from behind their wall. Mm -hmm. So this is the most important part. This takes time, Steve. And when I'm the person that has hurt somebody, this is difficult, right? I feel bad. I feel shame. I feel guilt. I feel bad. And it's really important that the hurt person sees that I feel sad, that, that their pain, the hurt person's pain hurts me too. So it's only after, and this is going to take some time, like tell me more, I want to hear, I want to understand without defending, right? And be able to express uh, sadness about it, taking responsibility. And it's only then that you can even begin to move into a more heartfelt apology is after you've really expressed regret, sadness, remorse, shilt, shame, guilt, all those things. And that then this is the, the key like the language of the really effective apologies that we have found in all of our workshops and with our clients and, and, and ourselves personally is to when I know how I've hurt somebody, only then can I say, I'm sorry, I. See the difference? Mm -hmm. To really tune into what your partner is feeling. I'm sorry, I hurt you. I'm sorry I did not choose you. I am sorry I forgot about you. I'm sorry I betrayed you. I'm sorry I worried you. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm sorry I walked away. I'm sorry I shut you out, right? And that, again, means that the person who's giving the apology has to really have first heard how they hurt their partner, their person, their loved one, before they could effectively give an apology. And so when the uh, person who's been hurt hears that very important pronoun and hears their partner taking responsibility and saying, like, look, they know what they're apologizing for. They're saying I and they're saying what the emotion is that the hurt person feels. Then the hurt, pers then the hurt partner can ask for um, more, can, can, is much more likely to receive that apology and then they're much more likely to be able to take a more vulnerable risk, which is to ask for comfort and identify what they needed at the time of the injury and what they continue to need now. So they might say something like, I needed your comfort, I needed your support, or I needed your understanding and reassurance, and I need it now. Yeah.
I, I just want to drive home the point of when we were talking about giving bad apologies, it, one of the examples that you guys gave was, I'm sorry you feel that way, uh, <laughs> which is not really an apology at all, as opposed to, I'm sorry I hurt you, et cetera, et cetera. So just driving home that point of when you're giving a good apology, you take responsibility for your role in the incident by expressing how you f- you are feeling uh, remorse as opposed to putting the blame on the other person. Exactly. And then as Sam said that the person says what they needed then. And then again, this is part of the healing process is a person who's been hurtful apologizes, takes responsibility, sees the pain, shows that they get it right. Emotionally, they experientially get it. And then they're able to respond back about, I can see how that happened and I am so sorry and I'm here for you now, you know? It's like together then the couple can, or the, the, any pair can come up with a new narrative, a new way to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and but the, it, the antidote to the hurt, what's gonna really help them feel better is that they can really begin to be much more um, accessible, much more responsive, much more emotionally engaged with them and then together, they can change um, the narrative of what happens. Together, they can begin to heal. And uh, Michelle said something really important before about the same person being both the source of the pain and the and. Why don't you say how you said it before? Well, it, it, this is again surprising to people, but that the person who hurt you is the the source of the pain is the source of the healing. And that's why when you've been hurt and you take it to somebody else, you take it to a friend or a family member or you tell a therapist, there's still something that's not nearly as transformational or healing or powerful as the person who contributed or caused the pain, the hurt, when they look you in the eyes. And often they have tears in their eyes because they see how much they've hurt you. Mm-hmm. And they're able to say, I am so sorry and I love you and I, you know, I really regret that I hurt you. That heals in a way that just like talking about it doesn't. Like it's really much more effective. Now, this might be slightly off topic. Uh, While doing the face-to-face apology would be ideal, we do know that there are situations and scenarios where you are never going to face the person um, who has hurt you, who uh, owes you an apology and you know it might be a family member who has passed away for example what and and let me know if this is just too off topic and and it's a different podcast but what can somebody do if they're never going to get that apology from the person who hurt them well i think there's still something really powerful about writing a letter that maybe won't be read by the person like you said if they're not around or if you don't have a relationship with them anymore Mm -hmm. right where you can really write about your pain and then maybe you could imagine what they would say or what you wish they would say, right? Okay. It's, it's not as – it's not um, – I mean this is true both ways whether you're the hurt person or the person who has caused an injury. Sometimes we right. cause these injuries and the person who we hurt is no longer here for us. Or to, we're not in a relationship anymore, we're right? we're no longer able to directly apologize to them. But it is important to be able to go through a process where we can actually open, open ourselves up and say what we wish we had said say it out loud, say it to someone, say it to a therapist, say it to someone who knew the other person, come clean in some way about the regret that we feel. That will help the person who has caused the hurt to feel 
better. And also, and if you are the one who has been hurt, it, it is important to um, be able to talk about the pain in depth, to have somebody help you through what um, hopefully the person who caused the pain would have been able to say, would have been able to say to you. You could imagine like what would help you, what would have helped you at the time if they could have, um, if they could have um, um, apologized to you, what would you have needed to to hear from them? That can be also that can be validating, validating. Even even to hear that, that like it's reasonable that you would want that. Yeah. You know, you're not yeah. crazy that you want that. Like we all need and deserve that. Yeah. Okay. And were there any other steps that were missed in this process? I don't want to move on without making sure that no, all of them are. I, yeah. I think that's really it. I mean, it sounds more simple than it is. There's certainly couples that come to our workshops that some of them have injuries that have happened, you know, on the drive to the workshop. I mean, some, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some of them have like injuries that, you know, happened, you know, maybe the weeks preceding, but some of them, because we have couples that take our workshops that have been dating a few months all the way to married 50 years and like everything in between, right? Mm -hmm. Some couples are in distress. Some couples are just positive, taking it more like a, like a marriage prep or like a, you know, they're engaged or they're dating or they're newlywed preventatively, you know, yeah. proactively. But there are some couples that have things that happen like 30, 40 years ago that they've never talked about. And they didn't even realize how much it affected them, except that they've been aware that they have not really, really like opened their heart, been in the arena of love, really trusted their partner because something that happened many years ago. And when they can go through this forgiveness process, that they can heal and then they can risk again, right? That they can yeah. trust again, that they can open up their heart and love more fully again. And so you one know? thing that we want to really punctuate is that the person who has caused the hurt needs to show a felt and visible sense of their regret and their pain. And it needs to be an emotional, deeply emotional, and not just a cognitive experience in order for forgiveness to be effective. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why I'm assuming the face-to-face -face is so important because you can really get that across. It's ideal, and if you can't do that, you know, voice-to-voice -voice phone can be helpful. If you can't do that, you know, certainly writing can be helpful, but it's ideal if it can be face-to-face, -face, for okay. sure. Because then you also can reach out and touch each other and hug each other and, you know, use affection as a part of the healing process, too. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And, and w as you're going through this process, are there adjustments that you might need to make if the hurt person is not responding to the apology? So you've, you, you, you find that time, you know, let's go have some breakfast or let's go to the coffee shop. We're going to have our conversation. Um, and you start getting into this and they are just not having it because maybe yeah. the, the, the wound is still too raw for them. Right. So I guess what I would encourage if you're in that situation is to find out what is getting in the way. Like, what's blocking them? Is it that they're maybe too angry? Is it that they are too hurt and they feel like they can't open themselves up? Do they feel scared? Like, you know, if, if we feel scared, it's hard to open ourselves up, right? Mm -hmm. Does it feel dangerous? Does it feel like it could happen again? Do they not have privacy? Like, sometimes couples, people need privacy to be able to have this conversation. Maybe they need a little bit of time. Some people want to, like, kind of, like, think about it on their own and maybe do some self-reflection or writing in a journal or some meditation and then come back. Like, we want to really honor everybody's unique and different in terms of, of what works for them. But in our experience, 
you kind of have to encourage that person who's hurt that it's a good idea to talk about their hurt. And many people feel very self-protected and think like, I was hurt years ago. Why would we, why would I talk about it? Because yeah. you're yeah. still hurt and it's interfering probably with your closeness. Or trust so, so if it does get derailed, yes. I mean, if in the moment that they're trying to have this conversation, it starts to go awry and they start to start and they start to maybe feel a, um, a tension rising or they start to have conflict, they need to pause it. They need to, uh, you know, gain some, some, uh, some awareness that it's not working. They need to res reschedule the time when they're going to talk about it. They at least need to say, you know what, right now it's really hard for me to sit with you and, and talk about this or to hear this. Um, and then to open up about what are some of the more um, more vulnerable emotions that maybe they're feeling in that moment that's getting in the way. Yeah. Usually, it's um, it's caused by previous experiences where an apology uh, wasn't given or wasn't given effectively, and people are holding those painful memories that it didn't work, and so. Um, they're scared. They're scared to go through it again. They don't want to get hurt again. They don't want to be disappointed. They don't want to hear the defensive nature of many people's apologies, right? They don't want to um, be, they really want it to be a good apology. Everybody wants it to be a good apology. And so the person who has been hurt, if the first step is that they have to open up, well, they really have to take a really vulnerable step in opening up again and remembering it all. And the other person really has to take a, a vulnerable step and in being really non-defensive and open and uh, open-hearted to be able to tolerate the pain that they cause and to be able to very empathically and lovingly express sincere regret. Okay. One of the um, aspects of forgiveness that seems really important, and I recently uh, was with Brene Brown and she talked about grief and mm -hmm. that it could even be, I have grief that you would treat me that way. You know, I have grief, I have sadness that you would say something like that to me. Oh, do I have grief and sadness that, you know, you would betray me or hurt me or lie to me or, you know, you know, be, not consider me. Like, right, there's a whole mm -hmm. continuum of what we're talking about. But this idea of that's hard. We, a lot of us don't like to feel the pain the first time around. The idea that we have to go back and feel pain and sadness and grief. And why? Because it is like for the greater good. It, it really is for the benefit of the relationship. It's kind of like and exercise. I, Nobody likes to exercise, but the health benefits it. down the road are going to make it worth it. Exactly. And there's a lot of health benefits of forgiveness as well, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, getting back to what was originally talked about of, you know, time doesn't heal wounds, but it seems like in a certain situations, having a little bit of time for the individual to process how they feel about this stuff might actually help before they can even hear a good apology delivered. Yeah. For some people. Now I got to say that for couples or for pairs or anybody that's able to like do forgiveness and apologies sooner, the better it is helpful, but some of us aren't wired that way. Yeah. And you know, people just need a little more time than others. Yeah. Okay. And uh, closing thoughts on you've delivered that, good, solid, effective apology. Um, how are, are there any things to remember when you move forward with that relationship? Well, we have to remember that forgiveness is not an event. It's a process. Okay. And, okay. That, it's, and that if you have hurt someone, usually uh, the person who's been hurt doesn't want to all have to be the only person who brings up the, the subject. You know, they really want it to be something that is... Um, 
also brought up by the person who has caused the hurt and they don't like to have to be the one. So it's a process that takes several, several pass throughs, you know, they need to be able to express their, uh, their, their sense of pain for the pain that they caused more than just this one time, even if the person has said, okay, I get you, I believe you, I forgive you, it really matters to go uh, to, to stay present with them in their pain because pain doesn't just go away. It starts to fade, but it doesn't just go away from one day to the next, which is what often people who have caused a hurt wish could be true, but it isn't that way. We're not wired that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would also add, we always get asked, how long does it take? you know, to heal, to forgive, to go through this process? And the answer is as long as it takes. Okay. Right? Like for some people, it, it might be a one apology. For some, it might be five, ten. You know, you just, everybody's different. You just got to keep checking in. Is there any correlation between the depth of the of the pain. So you, you mentioned that uh, some people come into your workshops who have been holding on to something for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, obviously every situation's different and all that stuff, but is there any kind of a correlation between this is deep seated, this goes back 30 years as opposed to this thing happened on the car right over? So no, I don't think there is. I, I don't think it's um, well, quanti we quantifiable. I think it's qualitative. Nice. Like it's how you feel like for one person, something happens and it's like devastating and for somebody else that would not hurt them right mm -hmm. so it's like i think it really really depends on the scenario and, the and situation what's yeah. really remarkable is that um we find that as long as the person who is um, listening to to their hurt partner or to the or or their associate who's been hurt they can really listen to them and then be um, and, and, and respond to them. And both people can be vulnerable with each other. Both people can be open and express more vulnerably that they felt alone or separate or unsafe or unprotected or unimportant when they can, or abandoned or rejected. When they can actually open up in that kind of vulnerable way, the, that's when things can really begin to, to, to happen and to change and when the apology can really begin to stick. So it's not so much correlated to the to the uh, degree of the injury mm -hmm. or the sensitivity of the person who was injured, it often is really dependent on did you go to the most vulnerable place? Did you, um, did you focus on it in, in that kind of a deeply felt vulnerable manner? And that's, uh, um, it, it, and not go to that cognitive explanation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That makes a difference. And yeah. and I would imagine that once you and another person have gone through this process, uh, you have been vulnerable with each other. That would probably improve the relationship going forward. So Absolutely. by being able to deliver and or hear an, a, a good apology and open up on both sides, your relationship, not only will you have tampered down the flames of that hurt, but you will grow out of those ashes a, a, a stronger relationship from it. Yeah, we, we definitely think so, Steve. Yeah. We couldn't have said it better than you, Steve. That's <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> um, 
Well, uh, this was fantastic. Um, I now feel like I have to say something inappropriate to somebody just so I can give a really good apology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I won't, but I won't, because I'm sure I'm going to say something stupid in the future anyway. Um, But until that happens, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing all your insight. And um, these were really great steps. uh, And I hope this was beneficial to uh, our listeners out there. So thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, And I want to remind everybody that you guys have been listening to doctors Michelle Gannon and Sam Hinnich, uh, who are clinical psychologists. And you guys uh, have your hearts cards and your apps uh, for iOS and Android devices uh, for the heart cards. Um, And go ahead and, and let us know again one more time where we can find all this information. Oh, sure. So uh, theheartcards.com for the cards, uh, holdmetightworkshop.com for our couples workshops. And then if you're a therapist, you can go to forgivenessconversations.com to learn about forgiveness. Okay. And was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Sam? No, that's it. I think we covered it. Okay. And one, I, I do want to ask you one last thing about the heart cards because we did kind of talk about them and I have a deck uh, in front of me right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, so how, um, how does the app work? That's what I'm really have a question. Oh, sure. Okay. So you have the deck of cards and, and the way the deck of cards would work is that you would, you know, if you are having a hard time expressing words or you just like to like leave a card under the pillow for a loved one or, or put one in their lunchbox or hand them one, that's one way. But the app makes it way simpler because you can very easily swipe, find a, a card that you like and then text it or email it to your partner. Okay. So let's say you hurt them. There's one that says, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Yeah. There's one that says, you're the love of my life. There's one that says, um, you know, I feel closer to you when we're affectionate. You know, those kind of things. It really helps you express the words, to what you're feeling, what you're needing, what you're wanting. Uh, that's really what they're for. So you can text them and you can email them and it's like you have it right there in your phone. And we've been hearing feedback, even though they just came out a couple of days ago, that people are using them, and it's really helpful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, it, it's funny we can we can talk about all this stuff about you know giving an effective apology and being a good listener and all this stuff, but this I mean this stuff takes effort and it takes time and it's a skill that can be developed over time, and a lot of people aren't there quite yet, and that's why I think these are such a great um, tool for people to have. And I, I'm just kind of flipping through my deck right now, and I have. A card in front of me that says, please reassure me that I'm important to you. Another one says, uh, when I say to you that I need you to be there for me, I mean just that. Be with me when I'm upset. You don't need to say or do anything. So, I mean, this is, it's almost like um, like relationship for dummies. You can just <laughs> hand the card to somebody and you don't have to really explain it. They can read it. And the other great thing about it, I think, is that they 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 won't, particularly if you're like leaving it under a pillow or with the app, you're texting it to them. There's not this defensive banter that goes back and forth. They have received what you, you want to say without any misunderstanding about it. Exactly. We all need as much help as we can get when it comes That's to right. relationships. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Well, um, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you guys so much for your time. It's always a pleasure, and you guys are welcome on the podcast anytime. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, bye-bye. All right, take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye.